Case, we're recording that episode awkward, two. Awkward second episode. So, uh, what are we calling this, then, Andy? It was it was decided, wasn't it? Uh, well, well, I'm not sure if it was decided, but a well, name has been thrown about. Well, we put it to a poll, uh, not a poll. <laughs> we put it to suggestions on Twitter, and I had two suggestions come through, both of which exactly the same. And, and uh, that was the A Squared Circle podcast, because of course a squared circle is another name for a ring. Thanks for wrestling ring. Th- thanks for clearing that up. So the the A Squared Circle podcast. It sounds like that's going to be our name for week two. If anyone's got any different suggestions or better suggestions for week three, then let us know. But the A Squared Wrestling Podcast. And once again, right now, this is the point where you would hear the jingle. So the, the unwritten and unproduced jingle. However, that is again just another. Sh- it's a hint, isn't it? So if anyone wants to make us a, a jingle for the start of our podcast and indeed the end of our podcast. Tell you what we do, Andy. For anyone who wants to produce or write, a, no, they've got to do both. They can have two. That's two front row tickets to our next spectacle at the Buckland Community Centre. Absolutely or, free. Or you could just write it and get the glory of having written it. And every week we'll, well say I'm trying to give them something you. here. Let's give them a prize. Well, I don't know about surprises. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what a week we've had. Yes. Well, I've had a busy week. I know you were feeling the effects of that busy week. I remember seeing you uh, training on Saturday morning, looking very sorry for yourself and falling asleep. Yeah, I don't. I don't normally. Uh, I don't normally. It doesn't normally bother me late nights and early mornings, but this old time age, it did. Catching up on you. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm getting old now. So yeah, you were you were a sight for sore eyes when really I hadn't had any sleep. No, I get, well, you'd had far stressful week. And were you happy with how everything went? We're referring to Global Wars UK, in case uh, those of you listening um, don't know. We spoke about it last week, so let's assume you listened last week. Um, but yeah, I was very happy with how everything went. It was it was a whirlwind few days, really, wasn't it? From launching our podcast on, on the Wednesday, the the sea of of fanfare and everyone going nuts about how brilliant it was. Um, you know, the media tour involving the the launch of the podcast. And by that, I mean a couple of tweets and a Facebook post. Well, you said, um, I think we've had quite, I've had quite a, I've had quite a good response. I'm amazed oh, at I'm the not, response I've had. I'm, I'm not saying we haven't had a good response. I'm just uh, saying that if a person were to launch a podcast, um, there's a, probably a better job of promotion could be done. But it's better to, well, better we're to have done. And, yeah. We're learning. And we don't want people, well, we do want people to listen, but we want our our big number of listeners to be listening when we know what we're doing and we still haven't got a clue really, have we? No, um, no, but we've got a nice piece of equipment you've invested absolutely. in. Absolutely, and we managed to get the podcast on on iTunes, which I think was a big success all around. So we're going to endeavour to get the podcast in more places soon. But yeah, so that was that was pretty crazy, the, the launch of the podcast. That wasn't really that crazy and it wasn't really that hard to do because we're just sitting down having conversation. Um but following that, we had a, a training session here at the Portland School of Wrestling. Um, and just to fill you guys in maybe about the the schedule of last week for myself. Um, so on the Wednesday, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Talents in the daytime arrived um, and were picked up by our wonderful minibus driver. Um, and then we had our training session Wednesday evening at the Portland School of Wrestling. We set off for the show at 6 a.m. on Thursday morning. Um, and didn't get, well, following the show, we got back to the hotel about 
1am maybe. Um, I stayed up all night and edited the show. Um, got two hours sleep. Then went across to Walthamstow. And didn't stop there until we got home about half past three in the morning. Um, so it was quite a long few days but very very rewarding and you can see the uh, the fruits of our labors on rpwondemand.com right now um, but yeah two great shows I felt what did you think Andy I oh, obviously I, I thoroughly enjoyed both of them but I thought night two was better than night one there seemed to be I thought a better atmosphere there's more stories involved the finish the like the you know the the, the final of the show with Riddle Matt Riddle coming out and uh, battering Suzuki gun and wanting to get his hold on Zack Sabre Jr., I thought was an absolutely perfect way to end the weekend. And uh, and I preferred night number one. Um, so I just thought it flowed uh, very nicely. But I, I loved both nights. Uh, I think that there wasn't a bad n- match on either nights. And I think what was very strong about this year's Global Wars um, was the variety in wrestling um, up and down the card. Um, you had something for everyone, really, I feel. So um, so very happy with the, with the shows in that respect. Um and everything ran relatively smoothly, apart from uh, a couple of things. So uh, we reveal some. Should we reveal some spoilers here on the podcast, or should we do that thing we did last week where we say, "Oh, we're going to save that for another time." No, well, you've started it now, and uh, that was well. That was one of the uh, biggest negatives we had last week. Was we start stories. We must have done that three or four times last week. We started stories, and it was like, "Oh, well, let's do that another day." Well, that's so a, that's the art of good storytelling, isn't it? We want to we want to put the hooks out there to bring them back next time. Yeah, but we also don't want to frustrate people to the point they're like, "Oh, well, I'm not getting what I want here." So you know, I think you it's all about being frustrated, don't you? Andy? You should, you should oh, tell your uh, just ignore me. <laughs> do your uh, do your two, two 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 stories that you said. Okay, so uh, so we got to your call. So first of all, one of the most important things in professional wrestling, which I've learned, it, and to be honest, it's taken me a number of years to have learned this. Um, but one of the most important things is the idiot check. Um, and that check comes about because you assume that the majority of people in your team are idiots, which if you know the Portsmouth School of Wrestling, <laughs> you'd know that that could very well be the case. Um, so the ring was packed up in the van because we obviously, for the, uh, for the York Hall shows, we use an 18-foot wrestling ring, which aesthetically I think makes a huge difference to the shows. If you look at some of our earlier York Hall shows where we're using our 16-foot rings, um, but yeah, we use the 18-foot ring. So to use that, we have to take the 16-foot ring off the van load the 18-foot ring on the van, um, and the 18-foot ring has quite a lot of pieces. Um, so we get to York Hall, and we're setting up the ring, and we're just about to get ready to put the boards on, and we realise there's a pole missing from the from the ring. So we check the van, there's nowhere to be seen. Someone said, oh, I laid one on a chair earlier on. We checked the chair, nowhere to be seen. And it turns out that no one did an idiot check uh, when we uh, when we loaded the ring up onto the van, so there was a steel pole missing from the middle of the ring, um, mere hours away from perhaps the most important show that I've ever promoted um, for a number of reasons, and yeah, see of panic hit me, and all of a sudden it turned into an episode of The Apprentice. So we were able to actually well, I t- first of all I tried to to call one of the guys who was coming down to see if he could. Uh, circle back to the school and because I knew exactly where this pole was it was they rest against the wall so I knew it'd be underneath a ring skirt and I called one of our trainees who um, just to see if the pole if he could circle back to the school and grab the pole um, it would arrive a few hours later that way um, but he protested um, clearly he'd rather he'd rather the show didn't happen 
than him yeah. have to turn around. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And be inconvenienced slightly. Um, but I guess that's one of the... <laughs> I don't know. We've That's a mentality that... I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. In weird. my day, you'd have just done as you're told. And yeah, even if the pole had to stick out the the boot, you know, you'd do what you had to do, wouldn't you? You'd make it work. We made stuff work. That's what we did. Um, but anyway, um, I could quickly see that he wasn't willing to help. So um, on to Plan B in in the exciting episode of The Apprentice, and we were actually able to find a metal fabricator who was able to reproduce one of the poles in about. Well, I guess maybe it took about half an hour and we were able to get a um, a piece of steel replicated um, and we, we made ourselves our own new pole. So that was it. Show saved, thanks to our mates at the fabrication yard. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then speaking of ring woes, night two comes along. And obviously there was some fantastic wrestling on the first night of, uh, of Global Wars UK. Um, and there was also quite a heavy hitting... Um, match between two heavyweight wrestlers, Keith Lee and Tomohiro Ishii, um, which for my money, by the way, was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Um, the atmosphere, excitement, story, um, I just felt it really de- delivered. And I think that may be what's swinging night one in the, in the camp of I've lost my train of thought, but you know, I'm saying that, that's why I think I preferred night one. That match alone, I think did a lot for me. Um, and uh, yeah, but they threw each other around a lot. And the steel bars in the ring, kind of, they always, they already tend to to bend um, just because of wear and tear. And I think it'd be hard pressed to find a perfectly straight wrestling ring. Uh, so I look, a, look a, a opposite me right now and I see the side of our rings bent here. Um, but, and it is, you just looked. And you I just want to see how, how bent it was. Well it's, yeah. well, it's kind of dipped, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. And, um, yeah, but that bent it almost beyond repair as when the board was placed on top of the, the steel, it should sit nicely. Um, but instead, it floated on the <laughs> on the steel. Um, so there was a hope that we could tie it down with the canvas and with the mats on top as well. It'd be a lot heavier, so it might survive the show. Um, but when we started to add the stuff, we soon realised it wasn't going to work. And every time someone stood on it, it was just like floating in air, really. Um, and at the very least, the board would have snapped during the show, especially knowing that Tomohiro Ishii and Keith Lee were both on that show the next uh, that night. So um, in the end, we wound up having to take a bit of a gamble. Apparently, according to Mark Stone, it was done all the time back in the day. Um, and he's been telling me about it for a while. The, the way to fix a, a bent pole in the ring is to drive a van over it. Now, it was at this time... So I made the executive call, right, this is what we're going to do. Everyone was uh, saying it's not going to work, um, including one... Uh, um, we won't name names, but there was a uh, there was one of the trainees who... Uh, he's, a lovely, he's a lovely lad. He means well. And uh, he, was, he was telling everyone how it wasn't going to work. Um, so... Did it work? Yeah, it did work. It did work. But it wasn't until we got the... Uh, you kind of killed the... the I was going to build it up a little bit, but I guess it was dragging. But w- it wasn't until we literally got the van, the pole was off a ring, that Mark had actually revealed that he'd never actually driven a van. 
over one of these poles before and he's just telling us the way they used to do it and if anything were to happen to the ring it wasn't on him at all it was entirely my decision and entirely on me and i felt like i did when i was uh when i was younger when you know i'd want to buy something i want to spend my pocket money on something and my mum would say to me well it's up to you it's your money you can do what you want with it so that was obviously saying probably don't do it <laughs> and if you do it's on you and yeah i took that gamble and it worked and 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 on top of that as well we'd actually take we'd taken everything off the van so the van wasn't heavy enough as it was so then we had to load the van up with trainees to put extra weight on the van to push this piece of steel down and ultimately it worked and the show went on and everyone was happy so thank you mark sloan for that piece of advice and uh i'm glad that I didn't have to take responsibility for ruining my show and bankrupting myself in refunds. Oh, that's lucky job, eh? <laughs> Good old Mark coming through <laughs> for the first time in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, cool. So, apart from that, you're happy? <laughs> Very happy. Everyone yeah. happy? The office happy? I think the office were happy, yeah. What about you, Andy? Are you happy? I was happy. I, uh, I had a great time, yeah. Even the 3 a.m.'s get-ins weren't, you know, they're nothing new to me, but yeah, I had a great, great time. Good. Yeah, and then... Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. Sunday was a uh, trip down the Weymouth Pavilion for and IPW. How, and how was that? Did you win? Uh, no, I didn't win. Me and Johnny Storm were cheated out of a victory by the Bangor Knights. Oh dear. Yeah, there was low blows involved. There was distracted referees involved. There was um, all sorts going on. And and how was that show? Uh, yeah, good. Yeah, pretty really well attended. Um, I, d- I don't think uh, I got the sense Billy hadn't put his heart and soul into uh, <laughs> into the promotion of it, but uh, well, there were some, nice, there some nice posters in the uh, in the venue. With, with a match like uh, the Bankrow Knights against uh, Andy Boy Simmons and Johnny Storm, you don't really need to put that much into it to to sell the tickets, do you? No, you wouldn't have thought so. But uh, there you go. It was all right. Good night. I'm trying to think who else was on the card. Uh, Dan Duggan was there. Sammy Smooth. They were giving me the full rundown in their WWE trials last week. And how did they go? Uh, any, any scoops? No, not really. No, not not really. They just told me it was really good and they really enjoyed it. And good luck to the boys. Uh, they, you know, Dan Duggan especially. We can. You've, remember. you've always had a soft spot for. Well, Dan we Duggan, remember Dan Duggan you? when he first started training. He looked <laughs> he like did. a fat little girl, <laughs> you didn't did. he? You mistook him for a girl once, didn't you? I did, but now he's in a. He, you know, he's got himself into really good shape, and uh, wish him all the best. Actually, no, I'd say as well with, with him. He always had a good attitude. Him and his mate Kieran. Right? That's right. Um, they always had a good attitude um, and would always help out. And and what I'd say is, if you look at the way Dan used to look to the way he looks now, he shows that anything's possible for for anyone. So I think I think for anyone who's getting into wrestling or thinking about getting into wrestling who perhaps isn't in shape or doesn't have a good body, who just says like, you know, I I'm not an athletic type or I don't have, you know, I don't have enough time to go to the gym or like I'm trying, it's just not working for me. Um, Dan Duggan is he's really an example of you can really start anywhere because he couldn't have been further away from where, where he is right now, right? And, uh, and I think that he should be definitely applauded and the, the work ethic it took to get there, um, it just shows if you're not afraid of it, you, you can achieve something. Yeah, and, you work and there hard. he is with a WWE tryout. So Yeah, work hard and you know good things happen for you. What else I took away from that show was um, I put a picture up on Facebook of everyone that helped me take down the ring. It was uh, one of the shows where you know we hire out our wrestling rings to various different promotions, promotions, and it was just myself and a lady wrestler called Zan Phoenix. She, we were the only two who went there, 
So we built the ring, um, we built the frame, and then a group of wrestlers from Wales turned up, they helped out, and then I must have had a group of about 10 wrestlers help me take it down. And I thought, you know, I don't, I don't, even, I don't really even know them. The only one I sort of know uh, would be Dan. You know, the rest of them I'd met maybe three, four, five times. Some of them I'd only met that day. And I was so impressed by the attitude because sometimes becoming, like we discussed last week, Andy, how coming from like the old school-ish, like I was certainly half and half, you know, like you put it last week, one foot stood in the old school. Um, that, that goes for you with life, really, doesn't it? Never quite committed. One no, foot in, one foot out. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, I know what you're referring to. So um, so I was worried because we'd heard a story because our ring got hired out on the Saturday night and someone from this very school refused to help. Isn't take this down funny? The this, ring. Is, this podcast is turning into uh, a vent at our student session. No, not all of them. Just some s- of them are good some lads. Of them, some of them are brilliant. Some of them, some of them Dan McGee, uh, I really think Dan McGee and Rob Lias are two people that maybe within five years' time, if they stick at this, they are going to be at the top, the very top. Um, and probably on that note, Kenneth Halfpenny as well. But uh, all will be in action at the uh, Buckland Community Centre, funnily enough, on December the 2nd. Um, anyway, to my point, I was getting concerned that uh, w- those traditions of the young lads helping with the ring were starting to fade away. You know, these young lads turning up nowadays, they don't want to get hey, their but hands like dirty. The funny thing is, though, yeah, and a lot of the time when, when people help out, they feel like that we owe them something. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's almost like... A, well, I helped out, therefore that guarantees me one time's booking. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's almost like they're building up credit with every pole they carry. So, Yeah, and I don't, I don't know whether that's that's nationwide or even it's worldwide. It's Generation Z, isn't it? It could that's be. That's we've discussed. We're not, not, we, used to like, we liked calling them millennials, didn't we? Because we heard Vince McMahon call them millennials once, didn't we? Yeah. But then he was referring Lazy to... Lazy millennials. Our, he was referring to our generation, wasn't he? So, Yeah. He was factually. Like, if you look it up on Wikipedia... Okay. It's Generation Z we've got a problem with. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. we're all right. Okay. We're all right. Yeah, I know we're all right because we've worked hard to get where we've got to today. So, uh, But this next generation, God, oh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being <laughs> too broad. In, you've turned into that. <laughs> in my day. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, I put it to Twitter, Andy. I, put, I did a tweet about an hour ago, hour and a half ago. And I said, what would you like us to talk about? And amongst the response, one person wanted to hear what I had to say about Greg Lambert, uh, which I'll, I'll save for another day, and we definitely will get there. You're having an imaginary feud with him. Oh, no, it's not imaginary. Real life. He's Shoot. Ver- he's vermin. Um, <laughs> wow, that is strong. Well, when we get to it. I uh, like Greg. Yeah, of course you do. You would say that. Um, and someone suggested we talk about 1PW memories. That's a good one. Uh, we could definitely talk a lot about 1PW, I think. Yeah, and uh, should we start with 1PW? Well, was there any other topics? Just uh, any th- th- There was a few more. I don't have my phone to hand like oh, you do. Brilliant. Um, to, I don't uh, follow you on Twitter, so I don't know. To see, um, to, to see what people like to hear. So, uh, 1PW is then. <laughs> I guess so. So you tell me what you can remember, the first you, you remember about 1PW. Oh, the first... Because neither of us were like running shows. We didn't have the school. We well, were I was a booker, so I was still like a... I used right. to book for IPW at the time. But so. not for, you haven't been doing that long. Uh, yeah, I'd been doing it for a little while. But not not a year. Maybe a year. What year did it start? 2005, September. Oh, so maybe like, yeah, about a year. Okay. Maybe less than a year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. 
I was still quite a big deal, wasn't I? Everyone, you were a big deal. Well, no, what I say, what I say is, I'm not a big deal. I'm not. But what I do say is, because I've always had um, a fortuitous position in the sense of I've either been um, a booker of a show or a promoter of a show. People in general are very nice to me. Now, I'm under no illusions of the fact that a lot of the time they're just nice to me because they would like me to use them on whatever shows I'm involved with at that time. Um, but, Andy, it's nice, all right? Sure. It's nice. So, well yeah. Done. Okay, so so I asked you what what your first memories of... You, you know, because we I, I was on the first show. I can't I, remember if you I were. wasn't. I came a little bit later on. So we had this... Uh, this thing that used to happen in our, in our lives you always used to tell me that um what i was involved in so what we might have both been involved in together was 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 rubbish but what you were doing and i wasn't was brilliant so i remember you telling me about ipw before i got involved and you were telling me how they were proper shows you know not like that not like this rubbish these are proper shows with storylines you can't even remember can you cool like sting and the dangerous alliance it's a callback all right we do those a lot because we're we're switched on. Call back to episode one, but um, yeah, you 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 said to me you'd be like those are, those IPW shows. I forget what show we we're going to. Oh, it might have been like even an FWA show, um, which reminds me. This is a story we're not going to tell, but we have to tell in the near future. I don't want to keep doing this, but it reminds me of a time you got me in a lot of trouble about joking about FWA's state when it was on its way out. Of course, I know what you're referring <laughs> um, to there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably do 10 episodes on FWA, won't we? Absolutely. So we'll start to finish. Absolutely. Um, the FWA is. Um, but you'll be like, oh, not like these FWA shows, or whatever show it was. It might have been RBW or whatever whatever show it was. They're not like these shows. They're proper shows, episodic, blah, blah, blah. And then anyway, you were you were involved. So you were involved in the first 1PW show, right? Yes. And uh, yeah, I wasn't. And obviously, what's... Uh, What's to note of a 1PW show? So obviously, I was playing my trades as a referee at the time. Um, and what's to note about those 1PW shows is the early ones, they must have thought so little of me and of the other referees in the country <laughs> that they decided they had to fly referees in from America to referee their shows. And that, that, was, that was unheard of. Like when, when we first heard of 1PW, or when I first heard about 1PW, they were flying in a commentator, they were flying in referees. They had two commentators, didn't they? Did they? Yeah. Oh, Joe, Joe Dombrowski, Joe Kingdom James, Kingdom right? James, of course, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like you, I just heard about it on the internet, and the man who was booking um, the British talent wasn't really who you'd assume would be the man for the job, was it? Who, Do you who remember? Was who it? It was? I can't even remember. P.T. Staniford. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I'm I'm not and seriously, we're not here to knock anyone, but if you look at the guys who were on the British guys who were on the what they referred to, I think, as a dark dark match rumble. Yeah. And then you look at the guy, the six. There's a six man, all British six man tag. And you look at the guys who are in that. One guy in particular. Uh, should we just name him? Yeah. Shabazz. Yeah. Right. And I wrestled Shabazz, and Shabazz you gets dro- a lot of you stick. You dropped the, the brawl heavyweight championship I to did. Shabazz. And somebody's put that on shit ass wrestling <laughs> on YouTube. And I you've believe. just sworn you've broken rule number one. So. Um, you hate swearing as well. I know. Yeah. Bleep that one out. Get that done. So anyway. Uh, yeah, P.T. Staniforth was booking all the British talent for, for this for this one PW that, that seemed out of this world. At the time, you had two WWE contracted talents in Tommy Dreamer and Al Snow. Yep. And then you had the, you know, the cream of the crop of the indie talent. You had TNA talent. 
and there was Petey Staniforth booking the British wrestlers, which is something I don't think anyone could understand. I always remember he had a nice... It was a WCW jacket or something he used to wear. Possibly, Oh, yeah. it was lovely. Denim it was. Right, yeah. okay. So, uh, well, if that's all your memories of Petey Staniforth... Well, no, you've got tremendous memories of Petey Staniforth, I'm sure. But my point is, that was the first... 1PW's first ever show, which uh, I believe is called The Cruel Twist of Fate. Um, maybe. We, well, I remember yeah, that because Matt, Matt Hardy, Hardy was supposed to be on it. And that's then, right. He and then he bored. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so P.T. Staniforth was in charge of booking talent. And then you had a six-man tag that involved James Ty, Dragon Izu, Stevie Lynn, Shabazz. And I'm really sorry, I can't remember the other Stevie two. Stevie Lynn's a name from uh, the past, isn't he? I, yeah. I used to like him. Good. Um, uh, but then in the was Rumble... MTX in it? Quite possibly, quite possibly. Because I remember a match between Shabazz, MTX and Ulf Herman. Th- that, that was a different show, I think. I don't yeah, know. that was about but a year that, later. No, it definitely wasn't a year later. Cause well, they didn't run shows every week, did they? So No, but the, they were like every every couple of months, weren't they? Or am I just romanticising about the time we had that illustrious run <laughs> for 1PW? <laughs> used to feel it in Doncaster every other week, didn't it? Um, well, I can't, I can't remember the exact... I'm pretty good with dates, actually. So October, and then I think they had January... Uh, because I was booked for um, the January show, and that's where they, I think it was January. They got You got they, pulled off, did you? That's right, I So did. you got pulled off, but Shabazz stayed. But Shabazz stayed. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I'm quite open to talking about funny stories, but I grew up, like you did, a massive Brett the Hitman Hart fan. Like, absolutely massive. The Hearts, the Bulldog, Owen, the Hart Foundation, they were I everything. Childhood, childhood memories, there's a topic for another day as well. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we do, it's like we're talking about childhood memories all the time. And I had a rule when I broke it, maybe after a couple of years, I wasn't interested about going to autograph signings and things like that, like some of my friends were. I wanted to meet everyone as a professional. And Brett the Hitman Hart was on that show, and I thought, I need to meet Brett the Hitman Hart, but I want to meet him as a professional. And maybe a week, 10 days before the show, I get an email from Stephen Courtney saying, I'm really, really, so he'd booked me, right? Yeah. I'd been booked. I'd been confirmed. I get an email 10 days before. Can you do the, uh, the voice? I read it, but I'll try and do it. So, Andy, thanks very much for confirming with us, but I'm really sorry to say that we no longer need your services for this weekend. Disaster. <laughs> complete disaster. Complete disaster. So, um, that 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 was uh, that's just a couple of my memories off the top of my head of 1PW. What was your first show of 1PW? Mine was... Uh Oh, I don't know. Maybe know your enemy or something. They decided that it was a waste of money flying in Americans, um, and I guess I don't know. I, I can't really. I don't remember how I got. Oh, so I know. I can. I can tell you exactly. I can tell you exactly how I wound up becoming the referee for One PW. It was actually Stephen Gauntley. He used to come to the IPW shows, um, and he actually was the one who purchased the IPW championship belt. Do you know that? The I one, did know The that. one that Billy Woods is currently flogging on eBay. Right. We should probably, just give it back to Steve. Yeah, we should really. probably give it back to him and he could probably use some money because <laughs> <laughs> he spent a lot. Yes, <laughs> he did plow through a lot of um, cash. Um, now, he, yeah, so if you watch any of the early IPW shows, the IPW championship matches were sponsored by 1upgames.co.uk, which was Stephen's successful business, a business that he should have kept doing before he decided to follow his wrestling pipe dream. Um so that's how I got booked because Stephen came to those IPW shows and he was, I can't do accents at all, but he told me I was a fantastic referee, which I believe I was. <laughs> you were, yeah. Chris Roberts ain't got nothing on me. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's how I got involved. Um, and my first one was, it was a weekend, and I don't know, maybe it was their third or fourth 
shows. Um, that's was it the tag team tournament weekend? Yeah, it was a tag team tournament weekend. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. Stephen had come to a show in Orpington in February of March of that year, to which I got an email two days later apologising for taking me off the previous date. Oh, and that must have been because you were booked really well on that Orpington show, and he realised that if utilised properly, you could be quite the quite, quite an the asset. Hand. Yes. Yeah, an asset. So, um, yeah, so so like you, we probably would have been booked for those same shows around the same sort of time, and uh, which were just there were a few days after my twenty second birthday. In May 2006. So I was about 12 at the time. Yeah, and I was about 14. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Um, so, yeah, so th- those shows. and Oh, there's, a, there's quite a few stories from that weekend, isn't there? I think um, we could split, like, not to... W- we're uh, not doing the one PW years, bloody. There's no. a whole <laughs> book about that. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm saying we could talk about... We, could, we don't have to get everything out today. I you think know, we can come back to this. There's three stories I'd like to say today. Okay. And you've probably got one as well, which I'm going to let you tell. But I'll, I'll say there's four stories. So let me just bullet point them now, just so we know. Yep. Um, one's about the ring announcer. Okay. Do you remember what I'm alluding to? No. Oh, we'll get to that. All right. Okay. One is about um, sitting backstage in gorilla position, watching a monitor um, with like a... I had to do a run-in, for lack of a better term. And you were sat next to me. Yes. So that's a story. Um, one is about, not from that weekend, but one is about um, the wild-eyed southern boy, Tracy Smothers. Yes. Um, and one is about um, a tag team contest that you were a part of um, with Lance Storm, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Yeah, so shall I, go, shall I run through that story? Um, yeah. So Lance Storm has decided to, on his website and through podcasts, Give me a bit of a hard time, right? So now it's time for your revenge. No, not really. I just, I because maybe you can set the record straight. I'll though. set the record straight. Yeah, I'll set the record and straight. And tell the so, truth. So it's Lance Storm and Just Incredible was supposed to be wrestling AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels on, I believe, night one of this tag team tournament. It becomes apparent Just Incredible didn't get on the plane, so uh, they're rushing around and they're they're trying to f- think of someone suitable for a tag team partner for Lance. And uh, and some names were thrown around. And I think I should chime in here and say, because I was obviously in the locker room at the time, I can verify this information. I know one of the names which was thrown around was uh, Kevin Steen, who of course is Kevin Owens now. Um, and the idea was they'll do a Canadian tag team. And Lance took one look at him and said, no, I'd rather work with a body guy. Right. So that's where you came up to me and you said, so, so sorry to, to keep going back. So I was there for the weekend. I was going to debut a new character, but I was not working that You'd Friday night. You did a promo, night. right? Yeah, that's right. I was yeah. there to do a promo on the Saturday night, but I was there the Friday night because we all travelled up Friday night. So you like being around the stars. That's it. I, just, I took my autograph book. And, uh, and you approached me and you said, oh, you're working the tag with Lance tonight. And of course, I was like, oh, nonsense. No way. You're like, no, I'm serious. And you relayed the story to me, what he said about Kevin Steen. Word for word, verbatim. Yeah, and uh, so there it was. I, d- I didn't ask for the position. I didn't... I, when it, it Lance, wasn't Lance selected you. I was there. Like, Lance selected you um, as... There, there was a selection of guys that he could have chosen. You had the best body of the guys he was looking at. And that was his choice. It wasn't based upon... Um, 
having seen you work or anything, but people did vouch for you. People who were there vouched for you. Right. Um, and, I, and like I say, I was sat there, I witnessed this whole scenario. So, so just to be clear, it's not like there was a room full of wrestlers and I was the first one to put my hand up. I, w- I would have been quite happy. Don't get me wrong. I loved being able to say I, I worked you were that quite much. S- you were quite scared, weren't you, at the time? Well, like, yeah. Because like, like, it was early in your career. Oh, of course, yeah. So it was sprung on me, obviously, very last minute. But um, we sat down and, and did the match. Like, it was the, I, I can't see why. Um, and, and the reason why I bring it up specifically is because I read something not that long ago on social media. Someone taking a swipe at me about the story. I'm like, well, again, I, I didn't ask to be put in that situation. I was selected by Lance, by the promoter, for that role. And if you go back and read the uh, book that was put out about 1PW, Christopher Daniels, on the other hand, has a very nice recollection of that match. So, um, just trying to set the record straight the best I can. Yeah, so so just for those of you who don't know, so Lance, he wrote a column, right? And uh, he he kind of referenced you as some British guy, right? He said Andy, and then in brackets, something like Andy, but I can't remember his second name. And that was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Because... All he had to do was input the, the show in Google, you know. If he, but he, that that line there was just kind of, it was almost just being horrible for the sake of being horrible, wasn't it? Yeah, like, like it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. There's no two yeah. ways about it. I mean, I respect Lance Storm and I I love his work as a professional wrestler. But you know, when you when you write stuff like that, you know, he's he's obviously got no no care in the world for what what you thought, or no care in the world um, for for perception that you would you would have off the back of that you know i'm sure he didn't even know you were still wrestling but you know it stuff like that doesn't help one's self-esteem confidence etc etc um and if it was in today's day and age um cool there'd be a right storm on social media wouldn't there? there'd be a right storm <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> oh yeah good um so yeah and speaking of storms tim storm the nwa world champion love him um but Anyway, we'll get to that another yeah. week. <laughs> well, he, he reminds me. I think that's where you're headed, Andy. I think I can see you having a, a run like Tim Tim Storm in about twenty years time. Do you think? Oh, yeah, that'd be good. I, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that that was a story with Lance Storm, and in, in any way, if you watch back the show, the match got great reaction. And if anything, having yourself in the match as a you know um, the odd man out, so to speak that generated even more heat on yourself and that gave you quite a nice little run in 1PW. So regardless of, of what Lance may say, that earned you future bookings. Everyone really enjoyed your your work that night. It was very solid. Um, and yeah, you didn't do a super kick like Just Incredible does or hit anyone with a cane. Um, but I can guarantee on that day, you were a lot more coherent than, than he would have been if he were there. Exactly. <laughs> so and the fact that I turned up says a lot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that happened on our first weekend. Um, also, we had uh, a ring announcer, John Atkins. Of course, John Atkins. I was trying to work and out who you were talking about. And he came down with us. So John Atkins is very much a part of the, the should we say, the IPW crew because... Uh, you know, we were all very familiar with each other. We obviously used to do shows in Orpington Monthly and, you know, other little places every now and then. But like, there was a time when we'd see each other pretty much every week, right? And, and I remember, like, I, I know it's always changing a little bit now, but I remember um, saying to talk, discuss me with Shah Samuels how it used to be like, all right, mate, see you next week. And then it got to a stage where it was like, see you next month. And it's like October, November. And you're like saying, have a good Christmas because the shows, despite the fact the shows are kind of bigger now, they, they, they were kind of spread further apart. And that's obviously changing now, and, and they're a lot more regular. Um, but anyway, John was like essentially one of our crew, one of our mates. 
in our little gang, and he was brought in to be a ring announcer, and he got a hell of a payday. I can't remember, nor do I want to disclose what what he was paid, but I know he was he was on a good little wedge for the shows, um, and he ring announced the uh, the first night, and then the second day they had was it the second day? Well, they they had an, an afternoon, afternoon show, event, didn't they? But yeah. they hadn't asked anyone if they were working the show. They they just kind of assumed that everyone would do it for the same price or something along those lines. And I know I didn't know about it, but I was just like, yep, sure, whatever. Because I was just, I was getting paid very well, first of all, and I just wanted to be a part of a show. So, <laughs> you know. Sure. Um, so I, it never even crossed my mind to ask for more money. Um, and I can't remember if I got paid more or not, but it wasn't even a discussion that I, I wanted to have. I just wanted to do the show. Um, and uh, And John, on the other hand, decided he wouldn't do the show unless he got paid more money. Now, at that show was also Stevie Aaron. Is Stevie Aaron? Is that how you pronounce Stevie it? Stevie Aaron, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stevie. Sweet Stevie. And um, and he was there to commentate. They had a, I want to say a free CW guest match of the free CW championship. And you're looking at me blank, like you haven't got a clue what I'm going on about. But they did. They had a free CW guest match. Um, and Stevie Aaron was down to do commentary for that match, with the logic being that he knew the guys in the match. Um, and, and if you know the guys, it'd be like the guys like Dragon Izu and Stevie Lynn and guys like that. Um, so he was there to do the commentary for that match. When John didn't want to do the show, he volunteered to step in for the ring announcing um, and actually did a heck of a job. So much so <laughs> that they then gave that job of ring announcer to Stevie Aaron and took it away from John Atkins. And John sat outside, I think, most of the night. He sat in the the gorilla position didn't he just looking sorry for himself yeah I can remember that actually yeah I felt quite sorry for John that day but that's what happens if you don't want to do the job someone else will happily do the job yeah and <laughs> he looked very sad and dishevelled yeah. but he had a couple he, he took it well didn't he he had a he had a laugh about it yeah and he's doing and really well for himself now he lives yeah. in LA now absolutely yeah. he doesn't care about 1PW he doesn't care about this podcast he doesn't care about professional wrestling anymore he's, he's a ukulele teacher He's very good at YouTube, making loads of money. So good luck to John. Um, Big shout out to John. So yeah, that was a that was a ring announcer story. Um, what else did I have to you tell? Had the, you had the Tracy Smothers story. You had uh, was that it? No, no I'm sure there's there was one, another one, wasn't there? Yeah, I can't even remember. I'll it. re-listen it. I'll re-listen to it when we get home tonight. We talk about it next week. Okay. More one Peter. And, and I'm sure there'll be loads of other stuff that pop in our head. And we're not here to really expose people. I'd don't think <laughs> no this isn't a uh, yeah like we're not here to I know I, I know I said something unkind about Greg Lambert earlier but there you go um, so um, I was sitting down with my mother-in-law the other day who hasn't listened to this but she doesn't understand what a podcast was so I had to explain to her that's she, interesting because they say only 5% of the population actually know what a podcast is so that suggests we're getting in on the ground floor a bit late <laughs> of something <laughs> which is going to be huge okay so my mother-in-law she's just joined Facebook as of Ten days ago. <laughs> wow, she is so living. She's she's getting on it. Yeah. So she um, so she mentioned to me. Said, "Oh, Andy, I've heard you've got a podcast now. What's a podcast?" So I explained it to her, and she said, "Oh, that actually sounds like it'd be quite interesting." She, we went through a list of things, um, which I could talk about, which I think people would be interested in, which I've got on my phone. But as I said earlier, I haven't got my phone to hand. So my point is, um. What is my point? Your point is probably just bring your phone to the, the podcast recording. <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll talk about it. One, yeah. one of them was the Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio and story. Like, that's a good one. 
but again, we're doing that thing we do where we tease people. No, but that's and okay because okay. we're probably going to wrap up soon, aren't we? Well, we so. are. Yeah, we, we should be wrapping up now, really. But we should get we should get this uh, Tracy Smothers uh, story over and done with. Um, and I'm trying to think. So there was Tracy Smothers, a tag match, and re-announcer. Because I said there was four stories, wasn't there? Yeah, don't worry, we'll listen to well, it. Well, it's just upsetting me, Andy. I don't like. You've had too many chair shots to the uh, head. Cool, I have. I did that. Again, there's loads of stories we can tell from 1PW. Once a donkey pun- punch from behind by uh, by Sterling James Keenan, who is uh, Corey, Corey Graves, Graves in WWE, uh, took a dive through the middle rope, missed the ring, put my arm out to kind of base myself on the side of the ring, missed the ring completely, landed chin first on the side of the ring, and uh, learned firsthand that rings, the side of the ring is the hardest part of a ring. Well, it definitely was in that ring anyway. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, that, so, um, that whole ring was hard, actually. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, I've got it. The run-in. Okay. So, I, again, just this isn't really even a story. It's a half story. But you used to bully me a little bit. But it was all in good fun. It wasn't like this. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't horrible bullying. But we were so we were watching the uh, watching the matches from the gorilla position, um, for lack of a better term, again. Um, and one PW used to like, do all these crazy run-ins with like literally smoke, mirrors, and fire. Literally, yeah. and. Uh, and there was a there was a point where we were watching the main event, and it was almost like we were done. Um, Andy had done his match. I was uh, I I had for what Andy thought refereed my last match, and I was saying to Andy, "Look, I've got a I've got a little run in in a minute." And for some reason, you didn't believe me. I don't know if you didn't believe me. Well, maybe I did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I was just did. trying to be horrible <laughs> after you told the story that the show's more important than anything else and you're literally trying to ruin the show and ruin my my dream referee's gig first weekend <laughs> in. <laughs> and literally, I'm like, mate, I've got to go do a run-in. I think at first you were trying to block the screen and I was like, I need to see this because I need to see <laughs> when I do a run-in. <laughs> and then literally, you are holding me back. I was supposed to be making this run-in and you are <laughs> holding me back. And tell everyone who's in the match. Um, I don't, loads was of it, it, wasn't it? There was Steve Carino, right? Right. Was it, there was Abyss. Abyss. Um, was it a big 10-man tag? Was it the 5-on-5 five five they did once? Oh, I've got no idea. They all merge into one. Because I know there was one point where I took that black hole slam from Abyss and you thought that was... That was that one day. Of it. Was I'm it sure that day? I'm sure that was, was that, that day. day. That's, what made, that's yeah, why I let you go. A, <laughs> so I was like, You're, I'm going to get black hole slammed by Abyss. I was like, you better go. <laughs> <laughs> and there I did, got black hole slammed. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a moment. Um, so thank you for letting, letting go of me. I'd like to think you're actually trying to hold me back to protect me. You know, you're not no, a, I have a feeling there were some drawing pins in the ring as well. Oh, there were drawing pins in the yeah, ring. Yeah, there was drawing pins and there was a barbed wire baseball bat and there was fire. Right. It so was all right. involved. It was like, you yeah. better get to that ring now <laughs> yeah. and take that yeah. bump. Watch them drawing <laughs> yeah. pins, fire and barbed wire baseball <laughs> bat. Oh, but I lived to tell the story. So and here we are. Telling the, tell the story. On episode two. Uh, on episode two. Um, so just to wrap up, um, I think I, ha- I have to tell this Tracy Smothers story before I forget it. Okay, so anyone who knows Andy Boy Simmons, you know that he likes to have his horn tooted. So he likes it when people put him over. He likes it when um, when people get behind him. So that's why he gets so upset when people say horrible stuff about him. And that's why he's so upset with Greg Lambert, as an example. <laughs> so, very sensitive ego. And there's a there's a... A famous is like well I say it's famous. We did it. Can you remember there's an IPW documentary where I talk about wrestlers being sensitive or something, I and mean, it cuts to a scene of myself and you. I'm watching you cut a promo. Yes, yes, of course. And, I uh, yeah, and I then uh, you cut this promo, and uh, and you're like, "How was that?" And I'm like, "It was all right." 
And you're like, it was good. <laughs> and then I have to be like, yeah, right, mate, it was good. Well done. <laughs> right, and that's caught on camera, like, as, a, as, a, as, as evidence of wrestlers having fragile egos. So, um, so it's immortalized. It's well documented that, that you have, that you're very fragile and you really enjoy it when people say nice stuff about you. And anyway, one person who would always say nice things about you was Tracy Smothers. So what's he love about you, Andy? He said I did a good drop kick. He loves that tro- top he rope drop kick. He loves that top do. rope drop kick. Yeah. So anyway, fast forward to the end of one, one PW show. And we were all about to leave. And as we're leaving, we're confronted by a Tracy Smothers. Right. Now, a very important point here is his stark bollock naked. Like, literally, no towel, no <laughs> pants, nothing. All right. It's completely naked. Um, and uh, anyone who knows Tracy knows what he looks like naked. <laughs> um, and uh, it's quite the sight. Or, or not quite the sight. Whatever way you want to look at it. And anyway, Tracy is absolutely naked. And he pulls Andy aside, completely naked, to tell him about how well he did <laughs> in his match. <laughs> and, and how he's a great heel. And how he loves his aggression. And he loves that top rope drop kick he does. And probably says stuff like about his great working punch and whatever else. Whatever, you know. everything you else know. I do. But, like, but honestly, he, 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 me, he, he really, he took a shine to you. He loved you. He saw something in you, which is wonderful. But let's not forget the fact he's completely <laughs> naked, right? Now, whilst this is going on, Andy's just smiling and nodding. And I'm kind of stood there looking kind of uncomfortable. Colt Cabana's in the background, rolling around on the floor. Like, look at Tracy. Look at Tracy. Like, rolling around on the floor, laughing in hysterics. And all of this stuff's going on around Andy everyone's giggling and I'm oblivious to it because because of my fragile ego (laughs) (laughs) because Tracy Smothers was saying nice things to him he neglected to realize that Tracy Smothers was a hundred percent stark bollock naked as he was putting him over and that is my Tracy Smothers story so thank you for that Tracy (laughs) that's something I won't forget that I won't remember that part but I won't forget what you said so uh yeah, right. Well, that's a great way to round off episode two, I feel. Absolutely. So, on that note, thanks for listening. Oh, right. You need to give us reviews on iTunes. That would be very helpful. So, yeah. give it five-star reviews, even if you don't like it. Yeah, please. and if you could share it and do do what you need to do to help promote it. Um, you know, our first episode, we don't know concrete figures, do we? But we did really well. So, uh, I, was, I was pretty uh, impressed and surprised. And that obviously helps Andy's fragile ego. So, yeah, <laughs> we want to we keep boosting that and help thank his self-esteem. So, thank you very much. Um, and, yeah, we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. <laughs>